a second. There we go. All right, so today is like a super, super special day, and there's a couple people in here who know why, all right? But I'm gonna tell everybody, in case you don't know, today is Grad Sunday. Woo, woo, woo. So I'm gonna do something that a lot of people are not gonna like, but if you have graduated high school, college, any of that, either you're going to today, you have, or you will this year, come join me on stage. There we go, yeah, yeah. There you go. That's what we like to see. Come on. The, the camera's right here, so that's where you wanna be. There you go, see, I know. All right, so these lovely people are going to say their names, where they graduated from, and what they plan to do now that they've graduated. You ready for that? Okay, your name, where you graduated from, and what you're gonna do now. All right, you ready? All right. My name is Haley Chelich. I am graduated from Portage High School and I am attending Purdue University in Chittering, Marysville. My name is Olivia. I just graduated Hobart High School and I am moving to Phoenix to attend Grand Canyon University in nursing. My name is Michael Talmadge. I'm graduating from Porch High School, and I'm looking for a job and taking some classes. All right, real quick, will you guys join me as a church in praying for these graduates? Lord, we are so thankful for the opportunity to celebrate these young people and their accomplishments of uh, getting through high school and, and uh, trusting you to guide them to what's next. Lord, we pray that uh, you be a light unto their feet as they continue to walk closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. One more time for the graduates. You can, you can sit now. You're good. Well, good morning. Graduates, don't forget there's a photo wall in the community space, so don't forget to take pictures with your family after service. Um, but good morning, my name is Chandra, and I have the privilege of serving here as your operations director. I'm so glad that you're here with us in person or online. I want to remind you to fill out the Connect card that you can find in the back of your seat or on the link in the post on the Facebook Live. Let us know that you're here and how we can be praying for you. We love to pray for these requests um, every week, and so uh, we encourage you to do that. Uh, we are not passing buckets for offering due to covid um, but we do have them in the back here, and we have giving boxes in the lobby, and we have a giving link online if you prefer to give that way as well. So we thank you for your continued generosity. Tonight we have our Challenger Little League. We are so excited, guys, like super excited to be able to bring this back this year. Challenger Little League is um, where we're able to play baseball, softball with kids that have physical or mental limitations. And we are so excited, they are so excited to be able to come back out this year and play. We weren't able to do it last summer. So every Sunday in June, 5 p.m. at the Portage Little League Field, which is down in um, downtown Central Avenue by the water tower, bring a chair, come out. We wanna pack the stands and fill the place and cheer for these kids um, as they play. You can uh, sign up, or you, you don't have to sign up. You can show up and help um, 
play catch with them or help them run around the bases, um, any of that. Or you could just volunteer and cheer. That's great too. So um, wanna encourage you to come out tonight for that. Our students will be joining us there as well. We do not have a student service here this evening. Um, they'll be joining us the month of June at the Challenger Field. This week, we also have a big week for our kids' ministry. We have our kids' adventure camp, and if you've um, been throughout the building, like we even have a pirate ship over here in the lobby over here, which is like super neat. So you wanna be sure to sign your kids up for that if they're between three years old and fifth grade. Uh, that is gonna be a really exciting time. Those teachers have been preparing for that week, um, and we're excited to be able to bring the gospel to kids in our neighborhood. So. Um, come out for that. Our student ministry is having paint wars next week. And uh, so if you have a student from sixth grade to even a graduating senior, you want to sign up for paint wars because I'm told that if you're a teenager and there's paint and you get to heat people with socks, that that's super cool. I'm not sure. I'm not doing that. But they get really excited for that. So um, sign your teen up for that. And then lastly, uh, today we have a special guest with us that is going to bring the message, and um, it is my privilege and honor to introduce Carlos Lonberger to you. He is the Director of Church Relations and Graduate Programs at Olivet University, and Olivet is our um, university that our church is a part of in um, our district, and so we are excited to have uh, Dr. Carlos Lonberger with us this morning. Will you please make him welcome? Well, good morning, real life. How are you all doing? Well, that was good. Whoa. I want to do that again. Good morning, real life. Now, that's a crowd we can preach to this morning. Woo! You are so much more awake than the 9 a.m. folks. Which makes sense. You've had more time to get coffee, right? That's great. That's great, man. I have wanted to come be at Real Life for so long, and I am excited to be here with you this morning. Uh, I do need to clarify one thing. Uh, before you uh, try to clean your glasses or adjust the resolution on your screen, I am not Pastor Rich. Okay? Uh, at best, I am a generic, cheap, knockoff version of Pastor Rich, uh, but... Uh, we often get the, uh, you know, the look-alike piece. Uh, it happens. Uh, I'm not his little brother. Uh, he is a dear brother in Christ, and I've known him for many years now, him and the Doring family. You have an incredible pastoral family here. Can you give him a hand? Do you love Pastor Rich and his family? Yeah. I know he uh, loves you. And he is loving uh, getting to know you, and uh, you really do have an incredible uh, lead pastor there uh, in Pastor Rich, and, and an incredible pastoral team here. Can you give your pastoral team a hand, too? Like, you love them, man. Yeah. Anybody know what it's like to pastor through a pandemic? Not easy. It's great. You have a great team here, and I have heard so many incredible wonderful things happening here at Real Life Community Church, and I am glad to be here with you this morning. A little quick word from Olivet Nazarene University, as Chandra mentioned, we are your university. Do you know that? We are your Nazarene Regional School. Do you know that? 
Smile and nod with me. How many of you have been to campus in Bourbon, Illinois of Olivet Nazarene University? Okay, so uh, there's a few more in the 9 a.m. that have been to Olivet, so y'all need to get a bus, uh, hop in it with someone who knows how to get to campus, and come see campus. There are exciting things happening on your university, your Nazarene school campus in Bourbonnet. Olivet is at the beginning of a new chapter in Incredible Days. For the first time in 30 years, we have a brand new university president. Dr. John Bowling retired as of commencement last month, and Dr. Greg Chenoweth has come uh, back to the university as president, and we are excited for the days that God has ahead. And I am excited for the days God has ahead with you, for you here in Portage, Indiana. It is an honor for Olivet to partner with the local church, not just for your students' sake. Yes, of course, we believe your students belong on the campus of Olivet Nazarene University, and we want to help them get there. But we also love coming alongside of what you are doing here as a kingdom work, as a partnership beyond and above anything else that, of any importance to us. Nothing is more important than the university's relationship with the church. So if we can be a part of what you're doing here, it is an honor and a pleasure for us, and we're grateful for that partnership. So that's all the business stuff, right? Before we jump into the word this morning, can we uh, just bow our heads for prayer? Father, let's, Father, I pray that you would just let us into your presence this morning. Father, speak to us in new ways. Open your word to the hearts and minds of your people gathered here today. Father, I pray your blessings over this congregation, this body gathered here, this kingdom outpost of your heavenly purpose position purposed here for your glory today. Father, I pray that you would teach us something new about you and us and how those two go together today. We ask all of this in the wonderful and precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. This morning, we're going to look at uh, one chapter and just some portions of one chapter in the Gospel of John. So if you have a Bible, you can take that out and turn to chapter 17 of the book of John. We're going to be in this whole chapter. If you don't have your Bible with you, <laughs> there's an app for that. There's always an app for that these days, right? So uh, if you can, take that out, John chapter 17. We're going to look at a few segments of what is an incredible chapter as a whole, okay? And I would highly, highly recommend and encourage that you go back and read through John chapter 17, because this is the longest recorded prayer of Jesus' ministry, and is recorded by the Apostle John, who was Jesus' beloved. You see, John was the guy, when Jesus didn't make sense to everyone else, they went to him and asked, do you know what Jesus is talking about? right? You know, when, when Jesus would speak in the parables and the stories and the illustrations that made no sense to anyone listening, everybody turned to John and said, what? What? What, what was that, right? Because he was the beloved. He was the one who had the heart of Christ. The other gospels, Matthew and Mark and Luke, 
They were all looking for more of a factual, historical record of Jesus' ministry. John wanted to help us translate that into what it meant about what we believed, how we lived, how we acted, what we did on a regular day-in, day-out basis as a believer, a follower, a disciple of Christ. So this chapter is kind of squished right in there as Jesus finishes his last address to his disciples that are there hearing his voice, and then right before he is betrayed and starts his journey to the cross. He's spent all of this ministry with these disciples. They have walked with him. He has taught them. They've heard him preach. And he addresses them one last time. And then in chapter 17, knowing that he's about to be betrayed, Jesus prays. So we pick it up. John 17, verse 1. When Jesus had finished saying all of these things to his disciples, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son so he can give glory back to you. You have even given him authority over everyone in all the earth. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by doing everything you told me to do. And now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. So keep this open. We're going to come back to different sections. Jesus starts off this prayer in kind of a weird, unique way, right? All these different times Jesus talked about prayer, he's talked about your prayer closet, you know, kind of doing it in private, not saying a lot of words for other people to hear. But in this particular instance, a lot of scholars believe that Jesus was actually praying for the benefit of those there hearing him. Ever been there before? You ever been uh, in prayer with someone who's praying more for you to hear than God? <laughs> Preachers do that all the time. Usually the way we end sermons, you know, if we haven't made our point enough throughout the entire message, then we go, Lord, help it sink in, right? You know, and Jesus is praying for the sake of his disciples and what they are hearing from him in that moment is almost starting off as a victory lap, right? Like this first section for Jesus, he's focusing on, Father, we did it, whoo! Yes, victory is mine and, and yours, Father, right? Be... I mean, he's, he's basically saying, Father, everything you have sent me to do has been done, right? We have accomplished the mission. The work is completed. Guess what? Your glory has been revealed here in this place through me. Now show your glory again in my life. It's this strange way to start a prayer. But really, Jesus is like, woohoo, we did it. 
wants to make sure that his disciples understand exactly what purpose he was sent for and that what his objective was has been completed. He starts with this victory is mine, victory is yours, Father, kind of start to his prayer. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just end with, woohoo, we did it, mission completed, it's all over, right? He continues on, and we pick it up in verse 6, where Jesus continues to pray, I have told these men about you. They were in the world, but then you gave them to me. Actually, they were always yours, and you gave them, uh, they were always yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know everything I have is a gift from you. For I have passed on to them the words you gave me, and they have accepted them. And now that I, and, and they know that I come from you, and they believe that you sent me. So, Jesus first starts off, Father, we did it, then turns his attention to his disciples, the ones that have been walking with him, the ones that have been hearing his teaching, the ones that have been under his preaching and his leadership in all of his ministry, he turns his attention in prayer to them, to the disciples. And he says, Father, they believe it. They've received it. They know it. This is, this is what it means. They, man, these people, they get it. This is, these are the ones that have been rejected by the world because they believe in me, and yet they believe you sent me. They have received this word that I have given them, that you gave me, and this is only the beginning. Because Jesus then, in the next section of his prayer, starts to talk about what it actually means to then be a disciple, a follower, a believer in Christ. So we skip down a little bit to verse 13. Jesus continues his prayer. And now I am coming to you. I have told them many things while I was with them so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They are not part of this world any more than I am. Make them pure and holy by teaching them your words of truth. As you sent me into the world, I am now sending them into the world. And I give myself entirely to you so they also might be entirely yours. So Jesus now has said, victory is mine, mission accomplished. Then he prays over his disciples. He, he just really speaks highly in his own prayer to the Father about those who are following him. And then he describes to them in the middle of the prayer what it means to be a disciple of Christ what it means to be a believer, what it means to be a follower. And it's interesting, because you may have heard this passage before, but 
Jesus doesn't focus on what we have always kind of said was his focus. In some ways, we think, okay, Jesus says, stand up in this world, right? And, you know, be a force in this world. And, and sometimes we get this, like, kind of angry, aggressive, like, we're going to go out and change the world, kind of, you know, like, you know, look out, here we come, world, you know. You don't do that. You're nice people. Um, well, Jesus doesn't say, like, I'm going to take you out of the world. No, no, he didn't say that. But he doesn't say we're going to go out and storm the castle, right? I mean, even in the beginning of Acts, when all of his disciples said, now, is it now time, Jesus, for you to go down to Rome and set up your kingdom? He went, are you kidding me? You still don't get it? This kingdom, my kingdom, is not of this world, right? He says, that's not my priority. That's not my purpose. We're not here to mount a, a political insurrection. At the same time, we often hear this prayer of Jesus as one for protection. And granted, there's keep them safe from the evil one that Jesus prays, but the focus is not on kind of this circle the wagons mentality. So it's okay to pray for protection. We pray for protection all the time, right? I don't know about you, but my, my grandma, I, I grew up here, my grandma praying for a hedge of protection. Those are bushes. A hedge? Really? A hedge of protection? Anybody know how, how protective is a hedge? I mean, I was always like, Grandma, how about a nine-foot reinforced concrete wall? Right? Like, let's get some real protection, you know? Sorry, I sometimes follow a squirrel because <laughs> they live in the bushes. Anyway, the, the hedge, it's, you know, praying for protection is not necessarily a bad thing. This is exactly... Uh, this is a part of, this is a component that Jesus prayed. But in the same way, going after the world was not Jesus' focus. Neither was a Christian community that was scared to leave their home to walk out their front door. One that huddles down in the safe places. That was not what Jesus was praying for either. What he wanted was somewhere in the middle of a people who understood what it meant to live by his truth, to stand on his word and not the world's. See, he knew the disciples were going to face these challenges because they believed in him and the world rejected him. So clearly, now as he sends them out, the world is going to reject them as well. Jesus even goes as far as to say, the world hates them because they believe in me. But even in that moment, as Jesus is praying for his disciples, he doesn't say, don't let that stuff happen to them. Take them out of that. He says, give them the strength, the perseverance, the courage to stand on my word, to live in my truth over and above, beyond 
anything the world would push us towards. So Jesus starts off, Father, we did it, yes! He prays over his disciples. He said, these people have received me. They believe in me. And he says, give them the strength to stand on my word and live in my truth because the world is going to hate them because they believe in me. And just as you have sent me, Father, now I am sending them. And he's praying this over them, that they would have the strength to stand in his word, to live in his truth. But you know what? Jesus doesn't stop there. And to me, this is one of the most exciting passages of Scripture, one of the most amazing concepts that we could ever wrap our minds around. Because in this moment, celebrating the victory with the Father, praying over His disciples, outlining what it means to be a believer, a follower, a disciple of Christ, Jesus went the next step and prayed for you and you and you and me. Did you know that? Did you know that the Savior and Redeemer of your soul prayed for you? I mean, Jesus Christ prayed for you. He prayed for me. Just listen to this in verse 20. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me because of their testimony. My prayer for all of them is that they will be one, just as you and I are one, Father, that just as you are in me and I am in you, so they will be in us. And this is neat. And the world will believe you sent me. Okay, calm down. Whoo, so hold back. Don't get to it. I mean, no, come on. Like, this, okay, try this again. I mean, this is good. This is, this is, I am praying not only for these disciples, not only just the ones right here around me that hear my voice, but for all who will ever believe in me because of their testimony. My prayer for all of them is that they will be one just as you and I are one, Father. That just as you are in me and I am in you, so they will be in us and the world will know, the world will believe, the world will see that you sent me. Closer, I mean, come on. Okay, you want to hear it again, all right? Like, let's, let's get this. Let's get this now, right? I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me because of their testimony. My prayer for all of them is that they will be one just as you and I are one, Father, that just as you are in me and I am in you, so they will be in us and the world will believe that you sent me. Getting there. That's good. <laughs> Can you believe this? I mean, Jesus lays out for us what it means to be a disciple, to live in his truth, to stand on his word. 
and then prays for his disciples, and not only just the ones hearing his voice, but from all that would ever believe from the testimony and because of the word of the disciples. That's you and me. That's, that's us, church. Can you believe that? I mean, the Redeemer of all creation not only stepped in and took the cross for our sin, but before he even got there, prayed over your life and mine. He intervened. He stepped in. And he tells us that the way the world is going to know that the Father sent the Son for their salvation is that they see Him in us. It's not because we argue them into believing. It's not a scared people keeping, keeping themselves protected away from the world. He says, give them strength that they would stand up in the world and that the world would know them because he is in us. The way the world knows that the Father loves his people so much that he sent his Son to die for us is by a church that lives that way. And Jesus, knowing that the world will reject a people who live that way, prays over us that we would have the strength to stand on his truth, on his word, and live in his truth. That means a different set of values than the world would say we need to live by. That means a different agenda than what the world would say we should live by a different perspective, a different set of purposes and motivations, ones that put people first and know that relationships matter than the next promotion or the better car, the, the type of priorities and values that sees what we do with and amongst each other matters, Jesus prayed, Father, I have done it all. I have shown your glory. Now glorify yourself again in my life. These disciples, they get it. They've received it. They believe that you have sent me. And he says, give them the strength in a world that would hate them. Give them the strength to live by my truth by my word. And maybe you are someone who is blessed enough to know that someone has been praying for you for a long time. Maybe you are someone that immediately can think of grandma so-and-so or aunt whoever, grandpa who has been praying for you for a long time. And you're here today because of those prayers over your life. Maybe you're somebody who can't think of that name of someone who's been praying for you. 
Maybe this experience is new. And Can I tell you two things? One, you are here today because somebody prayed over you. And if no one else has, the Savior of your soul, the Redeemer of your life did it first. Jesus prayed for you. He cares about you, about what's going on in your life deeply enough that the last thing that he does before he is betrayed and brutally executed for the sake of our sins, going into that moment, that chapter, that phase of his life, Jesus takes a moment after addressing his disciples and prays for you and for me. that the world would see Christ in us. The world doesn't know that the Father sent the Son to save and redeem because we argue them to death. The world knows because they see Him in us. And even in those moments, Jesus prays, that we would have the opportunity, that we would have the courage, that we would have the strength to stand in that truth. To live that word out in our lives. Jesus prayed for you. If that doesn't humble and motivate us to live in and through him each and every day, folks, I don't know what else would. Because if I couldn't do it enough on my own already, he came for the sake of my salvation. And then if I didn't already have the strength and the courage to hear, receive, and believe that on my own, he prayed that I would. I need that. There's no amount of education, doctor, whatever there may be, that helps you live in that more than the grace of God and the prayer of Jesus Christ in our life. If the world is going to see that the Father sent the Son, it is going to be because they see Him in us. So where is it? Where is it in your life? What part, what piece what aspect of who you are needs to live more soundly in the truth and on the word of God? What place is it that you're okay with being the dirty closet that you don't let anyone see? Even the biggest neat freaks have that one closet. Nobody goes into that closet. Only one person has a key to that closet because that's the spot where I don't really care about what's going on. Where's the one spot? What's the one place in life that you know needs to live more soundly and directly in the truth of God's word in your life? Where the priorities and the values need to change. Jesus prayed over you that you would have the strength to live according to his word even in those places so that the world would know 
that the Father sent the Son to save them in your life. Church, can we stand together? Eyes closed, just heads bowed. This is, this is a moment. This is a moment of reflection and self-examination of your life. At the lowest, deepest, darkest moment, Christ died for you. Wow. And even before he died, knowing what was coming, before he was betrayed, Jesus prayed over you. most helpless. Romans says, when we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. And before the first step on the road to that cross, Jesus prayed that you and I would have the strength, the courage, that we would need to receive that truth, to stand on his word. Father, I pray today I pray today that you would open our hearts and minds, that you would just work through, lead us through, show us through the dirt and the mud and all the muck that comes with this life, I pray you would help us to work through turning over new soil to see in us to honestly reflect within our own lives on the places where we need to stand stronger in your truth and in your word today. Father, I pray just as Jesus did that you would give us the strength and the courage to stand for what we believe in in you when the world would push us and pull us in a million different directions. Father, we surrender to you today. Have your way in us. Let people believe in you because of what they see in us. Father, I pray that you would send your church out from this place to do a kingdom work this week, to let your name be glorified, to let your praises be heard. Today I ask this in the name of the wonderful and precious, powerful name 
of your son, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Church, you are sent out from this place to show the world that he is in you, that they might believe that the Father sent the Son and the Son, and the Son sent us. Have an amazing, wonderful, incredible week. You're dismissed.